0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: John could have been that way here. Hey, the people aren't coming out. Water's too shallow. I think the Lord's closing this door. But no, he persevered. He just stayed faithful to what God called him to. You know what he did? He just went and found more water somewhere. He didn't quit. He's, he's still called to this. He's still called to this. Even when things get tough, he stayed the course. He stayed the course. He didn't quit. It's easy
0: to interpret earthly success as a gauge of how in tune to God's will you are, but there are times you may be dead center in His will, and it still feels like everything's falling apart around you. As Pastor Dan will point out in the example of John the Baptist, even as he felt like the message he was preaching was falling on deaf ears, he was faithful to his calling and kept preaching the truth. You must follow Christ with perseverance don't let Satan introduce doubt and trip you up on your path. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: It would have been very easy for John to justify quitting at this point. He no longer has huge crowds of people coming out to hear him preach. He no longer has huge crowds of people coming out uh, to be baptized. Besides that, the Jordan River is drying up. (laughs) There's not enough water to baptize people. And so you could you could see where John could say, hey, people aren't coming out, water's too shallow. You know, we might as well quit and go home at this point. Uh, you can't have a baptism ministry without people and without water. John's losing both of them here. Uh, and so he could at this point, very, you know, just say, hey, obviously God's closing this door. Uh, because the people aren't coming and there's no water for us to baptize. So I think I'm just going to call it quits here. And I'm going to go do something else. You know, again, what we see, though, is John stayed faithful to his calling. Even though things are changing, and they're not as, as big and great and noteworthy as they were before, and even though the Jordan River is drying up on him, he stays faithful to it. You now, human nature's funny. You know, you, you, can, you can get a, like a dream job, right? And you, man, the Lord got me this job. I can't believe the Lord gave me this job. It's the greatest job ever. And then after a few years, it gets hard. And what do you say? I don't think the Lord wants me working here anymore. <laughs> right? I think the Lord's closing this door. And he wants me to move to North Dakota for this other job. This is the door he's opening. Right? Isn't that how we, how we are? And John could have been that way here. Hey, the people aren't coming out. Water's too shallow. I think the Lord's closing this door. But no, he persevered. He just stayed faithful to what God called him to. You know what he did? He just went and found more water somewhere. He didn't quit. He's he's still called to this. He's still called to this, even when things get tough. He stayed the course. He stayed the course. He didn't quit. You know, in um, in Galatians, I'll just read it to you. But in Galatians chapter six, verse nine, the apostle Paul says. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't lose heart just because things get tough or difficult or things start to dry up. Stay the course. Stay the course. Be faithful to do whatever God has given you to do, especially in the hard times, especially in the dry season. Especially when it's difficult to do what God's called you to do. Don't leave what God's called you to do unless God has specifically called you to go do something else. Just because things get hard doesn't mean God is closing that door. You know why? Because life's hard. It's just hard sometimes. So difficulty does not equal God's closing a door. It just means it's difficult. It's just life, right? That's life. You can't deny it, right? Frank Sinatra's song, you guys know that song? That's life, right? <laughs> Verse 25 says Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews, the Jewish religious leaders, leaders of the Jews, about purification. The purification was through immersion in water, what John's doing in the Jordan River. Uh, And so this dispute arises between John's disciples and the leaders of the Jews about purification. And and it doesn't tell us what the dispute was, but it's probably over methodology, the fact that John is doing this in the Jordan River. Uh, And so this debate happens here about this. There's always people, listen, there's always people who like to major in the minors. There's always people in the church world that like to major in the minors. That like to argue about methodology. Uh, don't be one of those people. Be a Jesus person. Be a person who just talks about Jesus, not a person who debates and argues about differences and methodology. Verse twenty-six says, "And they," and this 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 they here seems to be John's disciples. Some commentators believe it's referring to the Jewish religious leaders, but uh, most of them agree that it's John's disciples. And they, his disciples, his own disciples came to John and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, speaking of Jesus, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing. And all are coming to him. (laughs) You you can you can hear the despair. And their voices. Now, Jesus has a baptism ministry. And the crowds are all going to him. No one's coming to hear you anymore. They're all going to Jesus. What are you going to do, John? What are you going to do about it? And again, there, there may be the temptation to feel discouraged. There may be the temptation to be jealous or envious of the success of another person. Uh, there may be a sense of competitiveness there may be a sense of territorialism that rises up in the heart. Believe it or not, uh, people in ministry can be competitive and jealous. I know it may sound it come as a shock to you uh, that pastors and ministers are human beings with a human nature, and they can be competitive too. They can be jealous as well. They can be territorial. Uh, when, we, when we first moved here, before we even started, we had zero people attending the church. An area pastor called me. What are you doing? Why are you moving here? Why are you starting a church? We don't need another church (laughs) here. And I remember thinking, there's four million people that live in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. How big of an impact are you really having on this area, right? I mean, with all the churches combined, are we really making a dent in four million people? I think we could use a couple more churches, but he had a different opinion. People can be territorial, competitive. You now you think about the apostles, and on more than one occasion, the apostles argued over which one among them was the greatest apostle. As they're with Jesus, they're arguing, who among us is the greatest? I think I'm the greatest. Jesus is there, and I think I'm the greatest. No, I think I'm the greatest. I think I'm greater than you. I think I'm greater than you. Greater than you. And they get in this big argument over who is the greatest apostle. Uh, someone has said that that argument among the apostles was the first pastor's conference in church (laughs) history. There's some truth to that. You know, the Apostle Paul, while he was in prison, while he was in prison, he wrote, uh, and you you don't have to turn there, but he wrote to the Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. Listen to what he says. He says, some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, And some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ for selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The Apostle Paul says there that there are some that were preaching Christ out of envy and strife that were actually hoping to add to Paul's suffering by their preaching. There can be competitiveness in ministry among God's people. There there certainly can be competitiveness in the workplace. You know, striving for jobs, striving for a raise, or striving for a, a higher position within the company. And there can be a competition. There can be jealousy. There can be envy in the workplace. I've been working here longer than he has. Why didn't I get the promotion? There can be competitiveness within a family, among siblings, jealousy among siblings. There can even be competitiveness in a marriage between a husband and wife where it's a competition. You know, who's doing more? Who's doing less? And, and they're kind of jealous of each other in the marriage. I want you to see John's response to all of this. Look in your Bible again. Look at verse 27. John's response here, I want you to notice first of all that he responds with a proper theology, a proper theology. In verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. What a beautiful response. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. John's disciples come to him and say, John, the crowds are going to hear Jesus. Everyone's going to hear Jesus. Now no one's coming to hear you anymore. John, what are you going to do? And John responds to his disciples is, is simply, Hey, God's sovereign. God's sovereign. God's the one in charge. God's the one in control. He says, everything we have, we have received from God. God gave it to us. Do you know that? That everything that you have, God gave it to you, God provided it. Now, for John, what's the context in which John is saying this? For John, God is the one who gave John the big crowds and the notoriety. And God is the one who took the crowds away and sent them to Jesus. And John here, he recognizes that God's the one doing it all. God the, brought the big crowds, but God's the one who's changing things now and sending the crowds to, to Jesus. Sounds very similar to Job in the Old Testament, right? But the Lord gives and the Lord takes away but blessed be the name of the Lord, right? That's, that's John's response here. God's sovereign. And, and yes, yes he, you know, uh, God brought these big crowds, but now he's not. Now he's sending the crowds to Jesus. And, and understand too here that you know, John, John hasn't changed anything. He's not doing anything different. It's not because of some sin in his life or because John's done something foolish that the crowds are no longer showing up. It's just now the Lord's doing a new thing. And it's different. But John recognizes, hey, it's all from the Lord. It's all from the Lord. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, What do you have that you didn't receive from God? What do you have that you didn't receive from God? Everything we have comes from the Lord. Again, from a human perspective, John, we would look at John's ministry and say, But things are declining. But you, you once had big crowds and notoriety and and now you don't. What's going on, John? What'd you do wrong? And John says, No, God's sovereign. It's just a different season. And this season it's 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 smaller than the last season. But blessed be the name of the Lord. It's just it's it's God. It's what he's doing now. You know, you could look at Philip in the Bible, one of the disciples, and in the book of Acts. You know Philip, you see him um, lead a huge revival in the area of Samaria. He goes to Samaria, he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ there. Uh, many, many Samaritans come to faith in Christ. There's miracles happening, people getting healed, demons being cast out of people. This incredible work of God there, and 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 God is using Philip for this work. And then God calls Philip. To leave Samaria and go down to the desert to Ethiopia, to an Ethiopian who's in a chariot, to one guy who's reading the scroll of Isaiah on the side of the road down in the desert. And Philip shares the gospel with him, he baptizes him there, and then Philip disappears. And the next time you see Philip, he's living in Caesarea by the sea, and we're told that he's got four daughters, they're all prophetesses. They have the gift of prophecy. But he's just living. He's just living in Caesarea, raising a family. And here's a guy who God used mightily in Samaria to bring, you know, multitudes of people to Christ, working miracles by his hand, healing people, casting out demons. And then you see him just, God takes him from that to minister to one guy parked on the side of the road and then takes him from that to live in just the city of Caesarea and just raise his family. And again, from a a human point of view, from a worldly point of view, we would say, oh, man, what happened to Philip? God put him on a shelf. God God took him out of the game and put him on the bench. He's just living in Caesarea now, raising four godly daughters. Now, God's sovereign. God's sovereign. And and God used him to do this great work in Samaria, and God was using him to do a great work in his four daughters. You see? It's all the Lord. It's all the Lord. And that's that's John's attitude here about this change that's happening in his life that some would see as maybe negative. His response is, hey, God is sovereign. He's in control of my life. Even, Even the changes, even the different seasons, it's all from God. He's in control. And John just rests in that. Now, can you and I recognize the fact that everything we have is from God. And can we just rest in that? Just rest in His sovereignty. And look at what John says next, now in verse 28. John has a proper understanding of who He is, and more importantly, who He is not. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him so john just rests in the sovereignty of god that hey everything we have is from god and john we see here in verse 28 he rests in who he is and who he is not he says i'm not the christ i'm not the christ i've been sent before him and in other words john is saying i know my calling i know my role i know what god's called me to do i know my limitations I know what God has called me to be. I know what God has called me not to be. And John was just just comfortable and content to be who he was. He was just content in his calling, and he wasn't trying to be someone else. You know, John was happy just to stay in his own lane and be who God called him to be. And I would say to you, there is so much contentment and so much freedom in knowing who you are in Christ and knowing who you are not and just resting in that and walking in that and not trying to be someone God never called you to be. That can be very frustrating. Try to be someone you're not supposed to be. You know, look over in Philippians chapter four, if you want to turn there with me. And here's, here's Paul. Talk about a guy who had different seasons in his life and seasons of great blessing and abundance and seasons of great uh, leanness. It's the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Look what look what Paul says here in verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. It's something you have to learn. It doesn't come naturally to us. For I have learned, in whatever state I am, to be content. You have to learn to be content. I know how to be abased. I know to how, know how to have nothing. And I know how to abound. He's experienced both. And both of them were God's will. Not that he was doing something wrong in the lean years. He he was still being faithful to his calling. It's just God brought him through some times where he was abased. And God brought him into times where he abounded. He said, everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Now look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We like to quote that verse, don't we? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, can you be content? That's what the context is. Can can you be content in suffering? It's easy to be content when you're abounding. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord, right? But what about when you're abased? And that's the context in which Paul says, "I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I I can learn to be content and no matter what my circumstances are in life. Christ will strengthen me to to do that. Now go back to John uh, chapter 3 in verse verse 29. Now what John does is he uses an illustration of a wedding here to illustrate how he sees his role, his calling. Verse 29, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. John gives this illustration of a wedding. And in the illustration, Jesus is the bridegroom. Those that he is calling to himself are his, his bride, is his bride. That would be the church. And John sees his role as simply the best man. I'm just the best man. How many of you here have been a best man at a wedding? A couple of you. How many of you have been to a wedding? Let's, let's try that. All right. So you guys have seen a best man, at least, uh, at a wedding. And John says here, hey, I, I'm, I'm just the best man at the wedding. I'm happy for the groom that he's getting his bride. You know, my joy's is fulfilled. Because, because the groom and the bride are getting married. Now, can you imagine if going to a, a wedding uh, where the best man at the wedding tries to make the wedding all about himself? Or tries to steal the spotlight from the groom. And when he gets up to give his toast at the reception, instead of talking about the groom and what a great guy he is and how lucky he is to marry this beautiful bride, he talks all about himself as the best man. Tries to make it all about him at, at the wedding. That, that, that would be strange. He asked me how I know and I say bring sure. True-
0: That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan as he continued his verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of 1 John. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you never miss an edition of this program. Every time we post something new, you'll be notified. We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has impacted your life. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you, too. And if God's doing something wonderful, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so, You're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. One more time, that's calvaryec.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Tune in next time to learn more from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dan, right here on Ring of Truth.
1: And I recognize